is about to pop off. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I need the space to be able to prepare for when things get rolling and I can really go full steam like this is all the work that I'm doing. Yeah, that has been the consistent of like, okay, I went back to nine to five, all in full time, still doing other work on the side. And then the panorama hit. And then that's when the podcast rolled in. <laughs> I'm calling it that from now on, the panorama. Yeah. <laughs> the Panda Express, okay, rolled in. And then I said, okay, okay, this is, okay, look at this. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle where we talk to entrepreneurs about their journey, creating and scaling up their businesses and freelance operations, while also really focusing on some of the mental and emotional challenges along the way. I'm Chris Colbert, the founder and CEO of the podcast and media company, DCP Entertainment, as well as the podcast and video recording space, Podstream Studios, Times Square. In this conversation, I'm talking to Malaron Hodge. Malaron is the founder of a consulting business, as well as being the creator of the Baddies with Business podcast, which she has turned into a whole community of baddies. We talk about how social media helped to lead to her business focus of supporting Black female entrepreneurs, the importance of being resourceful and testing out ideas, as well as the giant risk she took by asking her boss to help her start her own business. In this conversation, I'm talking to Malaron Hodge. Malaron is the founder of a consulting business, as well as being the creator of the Baddies with Business podcast, which she has turned into a whole community of baddies. We talk about how social media helped lead to her business focus of supporting Black female entrepreneurs, the importance of being resourceful and testing out ideas, as well as the giant risk she took by asking her boss to help her start her own business. That's where I really love to start is, uh, you know, give me a little bit of that journey that led to the creation of you having your own consulting business. Yeah. So in 2000 and I think it was 15, I was working with this organization, education nonprofit in New Orleans that focused on um, supporting and um, advocating for early stage education entrepreneurs. So that means people that have like an idea, a really dope idea for something that they want to improve or enhance in education. Um, that organization is where they would come. So this is like new scrappy ideas. Like I literally had a dream about it, wrote it on a napkin. I don't know what to do next. And my role at that organization, it evolved over the time that I was there. But initially it was working with um, Startup Weekend. So Startup Weekend, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like a 72 hour, sometimes it's like 48 hour uh, hackathon where Um, individuals come together on a Friday night to pitch their ideas. They form teams that Friday night and they essentially build out a business and pitch it to judges on Sunday. Oh, that's dope. It's like a community shark tank. Yep. It's a community shark tank. And then um, it's actually powered by tech stars and they have different verticals. So at that time, the organization that I was working for had the education vertical. And so my role was to essentially travel around the country, work with organizers in different communities to put on these events, to bring together educators, developers, um, coders, people that just randomly heard about it and want to do something for a weekend. That is what they participated in. So within that work, I noticed that there wasn't a large presence of people of color, specifically Black people, more specifically Black women. And so I always tried to like, when I would see 
a black person or a person of color, I will always go to them and say, I'm so glad that you're here. Let me know if you need any support. Cause it gets lonely mm-hmm. if I like roll up to an event and it's like 200 plus people and it's five people of color and like yep. two black people. Yep. Um, it's, it's very like alienating. You feel like isolated. Um, you also feel like you become the spokesperson for people of color or like your race and ethnicity. And so I always be like, look, fam, if you need me, I got you. Um, if somebody roll up on you, I got you. And so that was a lot of my work is being able to not only support them from the organizational side, but also do that additional work of supporting them, knowing that there will be many hurdles and challenges that they might face. Um, especially those who were doing like really dope, impactful work that not the world understood, but also it was like catered towards um, students of color and specifically, you know, lower income students of color. So I was at that organization, really loved the work that I was doing, and I wanted to move back to North Carolina. So again, I was in New Orleans at the time, wanted to move back to North Carolina, where I'm from, to be closer to my people. And so I told my boss, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about moving and I've been looking for jobs, but I would love to do something that is similar to this work. So what do you think? And so we put our heads together and he was like, how about you run a test to see if the work that you want to do is actually needed and wanted in North Carolina? So I was like, bet you ain't said nothing but a word. (laughs) So at that time, um, we had like a small amount of PD money that could go towards either like you know, professional development, as you think about conferences, workshops, or you could just use that to go towards whatever you pitch. So I pitched to have a event for teachers um, in Franklin County. That's where I'm from, small town called Bun, And it would be bringing together teachers, um, kind of like it was a part of like one of the programs that was at the organization and then a startup weekend put together. And it was three hours. So they came together, they pitched ideas for ways they wanted to improve within their community and classroom. They voted on those, they formed teams. And over lunch, they pretty much put together an idea. And um, they voted on it, they pitched out their ideas to the rest of the group, they voted on it. And the winning team received $500 cash that I had literally got from the ATM and put in a white envelope <laughs> at the end of the event. And that was the catalyst for me that, People need this. Also, people need someone who looks like me that's going to work with people who look like me to be able to get take their ideas to another level. And this wasn't to say that all those teachers wanted to be entrepreneurs. If anything, I would say maybe 10% wanted to be entrepreneurs. But what they really needed is someone to tell them that these ideas that you've been thinking about are not wild and you can actually do it. If you put some time into it, if you have the space and the community there. So that was the catalyst for starting the consulting work. What, how many people uh, showed up to that first one? Sorry if you had mentioned that. No, I didn't mention it. So the first one, 15. Okay, that's that's a lot. You know, especially yeah. talking about small town and on top of it, this new idea, like trying to get yep. anybody besides your family to show up to the first thing you do for anything <laughs> is an impressive feat. So Yes, it was, it was 15 teachers. And I also worked with... Um, my best friend who is a principal at a school in that county. And so we used her school, the library. I had a family friend that had a catering company. And so I used her and her husband to cater the food. And um, I also reached out to a, a, a lot of my classmates, a lot of people I went to school with, because again, this is a small town, same people I went to kindergarten with are the same people I graduated high school with. And I know all of them. 
and I'm cousins with like 70% of them. And so I just was like, hey, y'all hosting this event. They didn't even read that like the winning team would win $500 in cash. They just were like, Malaron, you told me to come to this. I didn't even know we were getting food. I said, yeah, I'm going to always feed you. Even if it's an hour, I'm going to have some snacks. We're going to have some nabs and some Pepsis, but we're going to have something. You're definitely from the South. <laughs> you know how to take yeah. care of people. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so that was the first event that was in June of 2017. I went back to my boss and I said, let's get it popping. Y'all should hire me as a consultant to run these type of events across North Carolina, South Carolina. He was like, okay, Malaron. Six months later, I walked out the door and I had my first big contract with that organization to lead these type of events across North Carolina, South Carolina. And I did the second event in January at my old church. And I think I had about 20 people that attended that event. Very same concept. We like iterated on a a couple of things based off of feedback, but same premise, reached out to people within the region, um, region being like Franklin County and, you know, bordering counties. We also had food. We had the same folks do the food again. And um, this time, what they received after wasn't cash from me. What they received is coaching from me to be like part of the program that was a part of that organization. And um, that was really powerful because a lot of them were like, oh, I just want to come to this event. And I don't think my idea is going to go beyond that. But I said, no, you can get your you know program into these type of organizations that are like accelerators that are working with you. Like you can do that. All you need is an extra push and that coaching. So I did that and it was great. The organization was 4.0 school. So shout out to them for being my first contract. And um, also for like my colleagues there that really pushed me to step out and do dope stuff and just be Malaron. Yeah. I mean, I was well, going to do that anyway, but it was like a, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're going to be, only be you. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> were you nervous at all going to your boss with this idea, especially, you know, essentially saying to him, like, I want to keep work for you, but I want to work for you in a different capacity. Like I want to work for you as a consultant. So you're essentially saying, help me be, you know, help me leave you. Like, yeah. were you afraid that asking that question might lead to you just losing your job in general? Always. Yeah. Um, and I say always because I think I never felt as confident to do something like that until I got to that organization. So my boss at that time um, was a middle-aged white man who I like, I have mad respect for because um, I got to observe him moving through the world as a middle-aged white man. And I had never had proximity to someone with that much like power and privilege and prestige, like in the space or in the work. And so just to be able to like watch how like I'd heard how white people move through the world, but it was a whole different animal, like being that close to someone and just watching how he could just roll up to a conference with like a t-shirt and some jeans and people take him seriously. Where if I roll up with like a three-piece suit, um, yeah, three piece, you know, even got the best though. Okay. I ain't never wore a three piece suit, but I'm just saying, if, even if I rolled up like that in the skin that I'm in looking the way I do, people would still not take me seriously. Um, and unless I roll out credentials or people or name drop. And so that was like the space that I had to like, okay, let me just put some stuff out there. I might lose my job, but like, if anything, I'm gonna go back and my mom and my daddy, they gonna help me out. <laughs> 
<laughs> or they might be like, girl, you was tripping. Um, but yeah, I was terrified to do it because I essentially said, hey, I'm going to quit my job and I need you to help me figure out how to quit my job. <laughs> Which was working for you. <laughs> Which is working for you. Um, and, I, and it wasn't like, I, it, was, it wasn't anything bad. Like, yeah, every organization has their ups and downs, their pros and cons. But I think I was in like a really great place. Loved everything I was doing. Loved the people I was working with. But I just knew like I needed to be closer to my family in that time. And that was the thing that was just driving me. So I was like, look, I love it. So let's figure out a way to make it happen. And if not, I just want you to know I'm applying for these other jobs. So I need you to give me a recommendation. Thanks. <laughs> well, it also seemed like you were just, you, you had realized how you can make a greater impact and, and yep. do it on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. I think that's why a lot of us do these things. We, we either start our companies or start a podcast, which we'll get yeah. into a little bit later too, because we're seeing something missing. We're seeing something that we wish we had had. Um, yeah. and so like, yeah, you're not all, you know, you're not always leaving a company just because they're not doing right by you. It's like, no, there's just right. so much more for me to accomplish and so much more impact that I want to have on the world and these people in my community. So mm-hmm. you know, I commend you for doing that and taking that, that bold step. I don't know if I would have had the balls to go to my boss <laughs> and say, uh, hire me to be fired, you know, hire me to, <laughs> to quit, please. Hire <laughs> me to do something else and pay me good. Cause yes. my, my salary about to drop, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really about to take a drop, but yeah, I think. For me, a learning I had if in looking back and also like something I would give to other entrepreneurs or other people that are in that space of like, either they're miserable or either they like it and they just want something different or they like, this world needs a me and the things I bring. I would say lean on that. Like, it's going to be scary. You're going to be terrified. And also, I think for me in that moment was I was supporting the work that we were doing and the organization, the programs that we were putting together. But what I saw a lack of was rural presence Um, coming from like a rural community. I saw a lack of rural presence, but also the community piece that's needed in spaces, in rural spaces that like, if you don't know so-and-so and this person or people don't trust you, people not gonna rock with you. And then also I think like the intentionality that, people of color, specifically black people putting into like work and also just with this space of entrepreneurship and innovation. I felt like oftentimes it was like entrepreneurship and innovation is always like a bold idea, something new, something radical, radical, radical to them. Yep. Um, but I think about like black people. So I'm going to pause right there. Slight tangent, but it's going to come back to this. So I have been working with this, um, really well-known university that's known for like design work. And I had an interview with them and, or more like a conversation. And they were like, Malaron, where did you learn design thinking? I said, I learned it from the streets. <laughs> okay. Go back to the point I had before. Um, and I, I continued to say black people and people of color have been doing entrepreneurship and innovation since the beginning of time. Entrepreneurship and innovation is making a way out of no way. Yes. It has this cute name now, but like, if you literally have to figure out, I got $5 and this has to last me until September 15th, you're going to find a way. You're going to talk to the neighbor. You're going to say like, look, if I do this, can you do this? We're going to barter. We're going to like have a community meal. We're going to figure out something. We're going to plant our own vegetables and figure out if we can grow them in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk to the farm. Like you're going to make a way out of that. 
is what entrepreneurship is. And so that's why I had to tell them, it's like, we've been doing it. It just hasn't had this cute name. And so how do we remind Black people and people of color, fam, you've been doing this. This is the name that people are calling it now. Mm-hmm. And how do we make that connection to like, you've been about this life? Oh, yeah. We've been extremely resourceful. <laughs> yeah, we, we grow up in resourcefulness. I, right. I, 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 every time I see, you know, uh, something that I can't get done, it's like, okay, well, I can't do it that way. How mm-hmm. else can I do it? It's not a no. It's, uh, okay, we have to try something else. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of spirit, as you said, that you have to have as an entrepreneur, because nothing is ever going to go completely according to plan. It's just... Ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had noticed on your resume, there was a, I, I don't remember the exact name of it, there was a fellowship that you did for about a year, almost two years. Um, oh, yes. So that fellowship, okay, let me explain my journey. So <laughs> I consulted for a while, and then I said, ooh, this is great, but I need to like go back to a regular nine to five because I need to have additional like steady income that's coming in. Because at that moment I had taken this risk and I had got this really great opportunity, but you know, as being an entrepreneur, you get an opportunity, but you then need to like hustle to make sure that you have like, you know, your needs can be met after this really great opportunity Mm -hmm. is like done. So I was getting to the end of that and I was like, you know what, let me go back to, a regular nine to five and, you know, do some work from there. And so that's what I went back into the regular nine to five, continue to do the consulting work, but I went back into that nine to five world. And I was just like really transparent with them. Like, Hey, I started this consulting work. I'm coming back here because I believe in what y'all are doing. And also I want to focus on my consulting work and I'm not going to be here forever. And so I took that like, uh, that confidence of just like saying the thing into that job. And luckily I stayed there for, um, so I did that fellowship work was one year and then I got like another role, like a higher role there. And I just continued to say, I'm not going to be here forever. So I'm going to build stuff. So when I leave, y'all going to be good. And I continue to build stuff. So when I left, I left last year, I was like, y'all good. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I noticed like, yeah, there's periods yeah. where you're working two jobs and have your business. There's mm-hmm. periods where you're just all in on your business. And like there's yeah. these ebbs and flows that and I'm assuming depending on what's going on in your life. Yes. Yeah. And, and what's I going on in the that, life of the business, obviously. Right. And that's been the constant of um, having that like stream of income as like, you know, one of the baddies and I know we'll get to podcast. So, yeah. um, I call the baddies from the baddies with business, my my baddie crew. So one of the baddies was like, I'm still at my nine to five because this is my silent investor for my venture. And so I just think about like that money I'm making for that, that is investing. And so I think about like the roles that I have now. So I took another big risk from my full time and went part time last year, like big drop in salary. My mama thought like, Girl, you tripping. Why are you doing this? But I said, Mama, I gotta, I have to invest in myself. I'm not gonna go full like I did in 2018. I said, but I have to invest in myself like other people have invested in me. I gotta take that chance because I know, I know it's about to pop off. I, I really, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but I need the space to be able to prepare for when things get rolling and I can really go full steam like this is all the work that I'm doing. So, Yeah, that has been the consistent of like, okay, I went back to nine to five, 
all in full time, still doing other work on the side. And then the panorama hit. And then that's when the podcast rolled in. <laughs> I'm calling it that from now on, the panorama. Yeah. <laughs> the Panda Express. Okay, rolled in. And then I said, okay, okay, this, okay, look at this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a bet on myself because if this Panini Press has taught me anything, <laughs> it's to bet on yourself. Okay. So yeah, oh, I, I I need you more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. you, you you mentioned the baddies, so we got to get into the podcast, which is absolutely incredible. Um, baddies with business, like you've been doing this now for two years, six mm-hmm. seasons. You're you're you know, congratulations, first of all, second year hey. anniversary, congrats. Um, but yeah, what led to the creation of that? Because again, as we talked about before, a lot of times we create these things because we see a, a, a void and you know, yeah. clearly you saw a void here. Mm-hmm. So with, uh, I'll make the connection from the consulting work. So the consulting work I do now is working primarily with organizations or individuals who want to think about a, a way to, um, innovatively like work with their community. So if organization is like, oh, we've been doing this, but we haven't had much community engagement. I come in from like a design perspective. Um, I really like to lean on like liberatory design. So um, shout out to Tanya with Baitna Design, who was like one of the co-creators of liberatory design. I like to lean on that work. And I come in and support the organization to take their work to another level. And so uh, Baddies with Business came about in... Um, it was a dream that I had been thinking about for a while. Just have I hadn't like it hadn't formalized like outside of my head until like I would say the pandemic. I had just been noticing things where I'm like, okay, what I'm noticing in this work and this consulting work, but also, you know, at 4.0 is there's a lot of black women that are starting businesses, but we are not making it outside of like the first couple of months because things and life, life be life in. So when the pandemic started, you know, I just went remote and I was still at my like full time nine to five. So mm-hmm. I was thankful and blessed that I had a salary. I could just go home and work from home. There were a lot of people that I knew, black women entrepreneurs, that that their sole income was from their business. And when the pandemic hit, it hit their pockets. And so what I did is I said, you know, I have this salary um, and, you know, I'm just going to budget each week that I'm going to invest in two to three black women owned businesses. And I would like purchase items and then I would post it on my personal account. Sometimes I would post it. Sometimes I would post it to my stories, but I will always tell somebody about it. So that went on for like a month. And then people started to ask me, Hey, Malron, I'm looking for this type of candle. Do you know someone? And I was like, Bet. give me two hours, go through Instagram. And I say, here's three people. Let me know what you think. I've used this one. I haven't used this one, but I've heard great reviews about this one. So then one night I like had a dream, woke up the next morning and I was like, you know what? I know that how I can bring together this like love of supporting early stage entrepreneurs that I have from like the consulting work and also supporting black women. I can start a podcast. I ain't know nothing about starting podcasts. I just knew <laughs> I listened to the read and I listened to a couple podcasts. So I knew what I didn't like in podcasts, but like I had never started. So I said, before I jump out, I'm going to do the thing I coach people to do. I'm going to talk to my users. So I reached out to like five of um, five friends I had, black women owned business owners, and um, they all were in like that zero to two um, focus area. So I'll get to the, the focus of zero to five. So they were in that those years. And I said, hey, 
I'm thinking about starting a podcast that's going to focus on Black women entrepreneurs sharing their story. What do you think? Oh my God, Mallory, this is great. I was like, are you just saying that because you're my friend? Oh, this is, this is great. <laughs> I know, that's always my first suspicion anytime I go to a friend <laughs> mm-hmm. on anything. Yep. I said, are, do you like it? And then the next question was, would you be a guest and would you recommend it to other people? Because it's one thing to say like, oh, I think it's a great idea. It's another thing to say, I would actually like to be on this. And then it's a whole nother thing with like, oh, I'm going to share this with friends. And I have people that I would recommend. They say yes to both of them. I said, okay, you might be being nice. I went to another person. So I went through my five. All five were yes. The like one of the um, baddies was like, when are we record? This is a Friday. Nice. I said, we recording on Sunday. I ain't know how to do no recording. So I went to YouTube <laughs> University and I was like, let me learn this stuff. Let me find, you know, a good um, entry level uh, mic. Let me figure out my setup and all of that. And we recorded the first episode on that Sunday. Um, it is the now the first episode with, with Latonya Coakley of Adjourned Tea House. You know, it was, I have evolved since then, but it was still really dope. And it is yeah. the top streaming episode. Number one, the roughest, like, editing, what editing, but like, it was the best episode because it was just me sitting down with a homegirl just talking about her business. And what also was powerful is a couple months prior, I had coached her on how to tell her story around a journey tea house. So she oh, was in this nice. like cushiony space of like, I quit this job. I want to fully invest in this, but I don't know how to tell the story. And so I just coached her on how to tell her story, not necessarily leaning on pitch because mm-hmm. people always like have your pitch. I say, it's not about a pitch. It's about a story. And you're telling your story because you want people to invest in you. You want people to be like, I would be like, it, it wouldn't even make sense if I didn't invest in this person because they are so dope and what they're doing is so incredible. And so that's how you have to, you are sharing your story, you're selling your story. And if people don't bite, that's not the right person for you because yeah. at some point they're going to come back and they're going to want to bite. You'd be like, the bite is bigger. Okay. And it costs more. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, then after that first episode, I recorded 10 and they were like, when are you going to go live with your episodes? I was like, I don't know, June 1st. That seems like a good start. You know, it's on the first day of a month. Um, and yeah, I just hyped it up from there. I created an Instagram account and then it was on and popping. And so um, what I soon started to think about is like, okay, I'm focusing on Black women entrepreneurs, but I know that my like passion is for early stage. Mm-hmm. And what I also knew is that Black women, are outpacing any other race and ethnicity and gender when it comes to starting businesses, but we're not making it out of infancy stage, which is year five. And so my focus is zero to five with creating a space where they can share their stories, they can connect to other baddies, and they also get access to social capital. Because also you have a lot of baddies that are like, I'm starting this candle company, but I feel like I'm the only person, I'm talking to my cousin and they don't understand why I'm pricing these candles at $20, but they don't know like, I actually put in all this work. And so I need that to break even. So creating that space, but then the access to social capital is I am bringing in um, an accountant. I am bringing in a marketing professional into the community to support you free of charge Uh, to you. But like, I am making that investment because I'm investing in you to make it to year five, to make it to year 10. And if you don't, you decide, okay, maybe this isn't my passion anymore, but it's not because you feel forced out of the field and the word of entrepreneurship to do that. So that is the blending of the two where 
I started in like this education innovation space and I'm still in that space with the consulting work, but now it is solely focused on black women entrepreneurs from all fields. It can be education. It can be artists, candle makers. Um, I have one baddie in the community that reads pythons. What the um, heck? So, you know, all, all <laughs> kinds of things. I got a beekeeper, um, you know, all, all kinds of baddies. So yeah, that's the, the kind of like evolution and how the two of those worlds connect. I love it. And I think part of what you're also doing for them, whether you're acknowledging it or not, you're also, as you were saying, what you were actually doing with your coaching with one of these people is you're helping them tell their story through the podcast. Mm -hmm. So now someone like you were saying with that, you know, the candle maker who has like, say, a $20 candle or a $30 candle. Now you've created assets for them to tell their story as a business Mm -hmm. owner. So now they have this capital, you know, these assets out there on social media or directly on your podcast for people to go and understand better. And also to what you were saying, when it comes to investors, I think it's the same thing when it comes to especially the younger clients that are out there. So like Gen Z, millennials, they very much want to believe in the individuals who are leading the companies. They want to know the story behind the companies. And so Mm -hmm. it's not just about the product. It's about the people leading those products or leading those companies. And so you're helping these these businesses do a multitude of things. But one of the big things is help them tell their own story. And I think that's really important. And again, like I've been loving listening to these episodes. I think, um, yeah, like you said, there's such a breadth of different voices that are there. Um, I I loved, you know, obviously some of the podcast ones because I work in media. Um, and that's, you know, I heard the be well sis one with Cassandra, which brought it real full circle. Cause you know, your episode is, you know, if you're listening to this now, you're obviously listening to this episode, but the week prior was Anna Agogo of black pod Mm -hmm. collective. So it's like in that conversation with Cassandra, y'all brought up a black pod collective. I'm now talking to you. It was just this great full circle moment and really brought back to like, Hey, I'm doing this show on entrepreneurship. You're very much doing a show on entrepreneurship. We didn't know each other two years ago and look at how our circles have brought us together. And just, again, like I think the beauty of what you're doing there is really important. So make sure after you check out this show, make sure you're checking out that deep back catalog of uh, Baddies with Business because there's so many great conversations that you have there. Yeah. And I know it's probably hard to ever pick out like favorite episodes and stuff like that, but is there from like this past season any like particular advice that stands out to you? Um, Because a lot of what you do there is getting advice from these entrepreneurs of like how they were able to succeed in their areas. And so is there anything in particular that really resonated with you with your journey? Yeah. So Ashley Day with Graffiti Panda, she's out of North Carolina and Graffiti Panda is all about like self-expression. So she does that through earrings and accessories, um, but she is really dope. And one thing that she shared is the reason that she started Graffiti Panda is because she felt like the world needed a her. Um, She wanted to express herself. She didn't see like um, black women of her complexion that were out in the world, that were doing fashion, that loved fashion, that were like unapologetic. And she wanted to do that. And she wanted, you know, people to feel like they can accessorize, they can wear the earrings that may not be like um, the standard earrings that people wear, you know, they have these different sayings and all um, these different effects to them. But she just wanted to put that out there. And she was like, be yourself. Like, don't feel like you have to come out here and be somebody else or be the person that, you know, people want you to be on social media, just be yourself. And so I think that was powerful because she continues to live into that with every post that she has, um, with every shout out, with every blog post, like she continues to be herself. And it's like, Every time she rolls up to an event, 
Like it is, you can tell when Graffiti Panda comes in because there is this color, there's this pop, there's always like this little piece of sunshine that you didn't even know you needed when you just walked past her space. So that was like one of the really powerful learnings as a reminder to just be yourself, like, and whatever way that is like be yourself. Um, I shout out Beyonce cause she said, be unique, you know, <laughs> unique. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just be yourself and, um, never forgetting that the world needs a you. You know, for people like yourself and, and I know I do the same. And, and anytime I talk to anybody who's either running a business or part of a nonprofit, like anything that's in service of others, a lot of the internal chatter will always be, I'm not doing enough or I can be doing more. Like, do you have that? And, and how do you kind of try to keep that down so it's not detrimental to yourself while still living that mission of helping others? Yes, I hear it all the time. And I'm like, shut up. but no it's like it's easier said than done to just like not listen to that voice and so I try to think about um and I did that list instead of a to-do list I did that list so I think about what are the things that I accomplished today even though I wanted to accomplish like 20 things if I get this got this email out if I rolled up to this interview if I um prepared for this other meeting that I have. Like, those are the things I did. Okay. Maybe I didn't wash the clothes. Like I wanted to, maybe I didn't fold the clothes. That's been in that same chair that (laughs) unfolded clothes. It's okay. Because at some point they got washed. So I'm going (laughs) to celebrate that they got washed. And so I just try to look at the moments of like celebrating what I have done, but then also reminding myself that like, um, I think about how people always say like, you can't pour from an empty cup, but that always prioritizes the other person of like, I have to be in this space of pouring into somebody else. And so I just think about like, how can I be the best me for me? And so whether that be like, I'm celebrating those small things, I'm taking a break. um, I am not doing the things I am not apologizing for whatever it is, you know, having grace with myself. And so, yeah, that's what I think about. I think about a, a, a personal story for me right now is like, I have felt like in the last, so I had a big event for Baddies with Business, the second in person in July in Charlotte, North Carolina, shout out North Carolina. And, um, in the midst of that, like the week before my mom went to the hospital Mm -hmm. and she had to have emergency surgery. She ended up like, ended up having three, um, emergency surgeries. And I was like, I'm not going to call it on this event because I need this event in this moment. And then after the event, you know, how you wrap up an event is all things, all types of things you need to be doing. And I said, I can't because I have to give all of myself to my mom. You know, she is on this ventilator, but still like, I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to read the Sunday school lesson. I'm going to do all of these things because in this moment, it is more important for me to be present with my mom as opposed to like trying to rush and send all these emails. And so that's what I've done. I have been present with my mom. Um, she has approved. She's off the ventilator. She is now like doing physical therapy, all those incredible things. But like, if I would have taken that moment to just be fully present with her, to celebrate the small victories that she had, the big victory of Baddies with Business, even having an event, then I wouldn't get to the place now. Like, okay, now I'm in this space. I'm still present with her, but now I can start to transition and think about, okay, here's the additional things that I can do and know that the community is going to be there waiting to give me a hug, to know that like I've had grace with myself and have, they're having grace with me as well. And so 
think it's like you hear that voice, it gets louder, but you have to figure out ways to celebrate those small victories, be present in whatever you're doing, and then take time for yourself so then you can get back to being that vibrant and unique self that you that you are. Oh, I love that. And I'm glad to hear that your mother's doing so much better. Um, and I'm also glad that you, ha- you know, uh, it's good that she's able to get better because now you're able to take that time, first of all, to make sure that you were able to make space for her in that critical moment, but you still have her here. And at the same time, it sounds like a lot of what you're alluding to, too, is because you took that time away, now you got to see that the ship didn't sink. You know, everything was still able to operate. And so that's a learning lesson in itself that you can move forward and look back on this this situation and say, like, okay, whenever I need to take a break, whether it be just for myself or to be in support of somebody in my family, I have room to do that. I don't have Mm -hmm. to go 200 miles per hour every single day. Yes. And what's powerful is that in that break, I was like, okay, I, I know I need to say something on social media. I know I need to do this thing. And I'm not like, oh, I got to post three times a day. That ain't even me. You might get a three week, three days a week, maybe a five if I'm feeling, you know, a little first Oh, I'm all whatever. over the place. I can be on hiatus <laughs> for like two weeks if I'm not feeling right. good. Yeah. And so in after the event, the like attendees, so this is the largest number of attendees. I had 25 baddies that were in the room, but they had such a great time that they were posting. Post and post and post and post and post. Uh, and the people who didn't attend had FOMO. And they were like, oh my goodness, I want to be there at the next one. I want to do these things. But it was like all of them that like, they didn't even know that she was still in the hospital, but they just like stepped up and they posted. And so I was able to repost the things that they shared um, that allowed me to like still be present with her, but still post that. So it's like, look, I'm here, I'm here. And then when the time <laughs> came, I was like, y'all, I'm coming up for air. We're now going to go live and talk about all of this dope stuff. But it was great because in those moments that you think like the the ship is going to sink, there's like the water recedes or you have like your whole crew that like steps in. And if it does, then maybe that's something you can think about in your next goal setting is like, how do I prepare mm. for when I need to step back? Like, how how do I set up the space? How do I set up systems that it can still run so I don't get to that place of burning out? And then the ship burning down. Well, yeah. And it's not that your community that you have helped cultivate really stepped mm-hmm. up for you and, and evangelized for you in the, in the time that you had to step away and take a little time yeah. off. So, yeah, I think that's, again, just a, a very great example of the community that you have built and the fact that you have gone out and done so much to help others that, you know, now without even having to ask for it, others step up, you know, on your behalf. And I think that's a, just a great lesson for any entrepreneur, anybody just in life, you know, you should be yeah. doing things altruistically. You shouldn't be doing them because you hopefully, you know, eventually will get something in return. But right. when you do put yourself out there in service, you know, th- that kind of energy, um, you know, really comes back to you. So again, glad to hear your mother's doing well, yeah. glad to hear about all these successes. And also, just want to leave you the space to tell us more about you know, maybe some of the wins that have been happening. Obviously, two years with the podcast. We just had this major event. Is there any yeah. other things that you can share, whether it be you know things that are happening now or that we can be looking forward to in the future? Yeah, I want to shout out myself for a really powerful pivot that I made. And so when I first started the podcast, I had a Patreon page. And what I noticed is that my Patreons were people who were outside the baddie community, i.e. not a lot of them were Black women entrepreneurs, um, but they just wanted to invest in me and invest in baddies with business. And I love that. Like that is what kept, you know, baddies with business afloat as it relates to like the podcast, like needs and bills and subscription and things like that. Last year, 
I was like, you know, I am investing in creating this space for folks who are in the extended community, um, but not those who are in like the primary community, i.e. baddies. And so I, you know, stepped out on faith, did this leap like I have, I constantly do. And I said, I'm going to shut down my Patreon page, which means like I'm shutting down that like monthly income that's coming in to cover, to break even to be able to focus on investing in the baddie. So I did, you know, go back to what I coach people to do. I did a test. So for six months, I created a body network group. And then all of the attendees from my previous online events, because at that time I had only done two online events. Okay. They um, got free access to the Mighty Network group. And I just said, hey, this is a community for you where you can connect. You know, I'm going to post things here and there. And so I just created that space. So in December of last year, you know, I had the first in-person event and I invited those attendees. Well, I told them, I said, hey, y'all, in January, things are going to change. It's going to be paid, but y'all are going to already be in because like you have been working with me. Well, they didn't know that until I told them. (laughs) You all have been like my test (laughs) to see like, (laughs) is this community needed? Because the first step of the podcast was, storytelling. That's a podcast. The second was community. I had tested out two online events and then tested out an in-person events. And that was validation for me that like, okay, it's on and popping. Can I um, keep an online community going in the, in between the in-person events? And I had got that validation. Yes. So shut down Patreon and I focused on the mighty network group. And then I said, Hey, you know, I also want you to know, like I'm investing more in this i.e. that is where the access to social capital. So every month there is a speaker that comes in, a baddie from um, a black woman entrepreneur that has like a specific expertise comes in and shares their work um, or their learnings or different things with the baddies. And so um, I had a goal of like, I wanted to bring in 10 paid subscribers um, by April. Well, by April I had two and I was like, that's fine because 10 was a big goal. Okay. And after this last event, I now have two more. So I'm up to, or maybe I have three more, but I'm up to five paid subscribers. So I'm closer to my nice. 10. There you go. And I just want to celebrate that because it was a pivot of like, I'm now losing this, like this stream of income. Cause that was a, a nice little size that came in to pay for, you know, different things for the podcast to a pivot of like, I am focused on the baddies. Yes, they are entrepreneurs. Yes, they are like counting their coins to get things out there. But what one of them told me when I first, you know, I did my little research before I was like, went to my users, hey, would you pay for this subscription? You're already in here, but would you pay for it mm-hmm. um, if you weren't free? And she was like, yes. And she's like, this is the amount I would pay. This is worth it. I said, okay, well, why would you pay for this? She said, Malaron, the resources that you provide, I didn't even know I needed. Until I came into this community. I didn't even know I needed this community. I knew that like I was going at it alone and I didn't know how powerful it was to say, hey, I have this idea for something and you come to the community first and then put it out on social media and know that it's going to be successful because you've already tested with like like minded entrepreneurs. And so for me, it's like that is worth the investment. I know that I'm going to get to the numbers I want to be at. But right now I'm like cultivating the space for those baddies who like literally. Like one of the baddies, she started with us in December. She's about to celebrate one year in September. And she said, I have been spoiled by year one because a lot of black women don't get this. 
And I have had this from the beginning. And so that's, that's two, like the pivot from Patreon to the Mighty Network, and then now having five paid subscribers. And then the third one is just like to have these moments of like the baddies in the community celebrating, celebrating and saying like, this is what Baddies with Business has done for me. And I like notice it, but I'm not the type where I'm like, oh, you need to clap. You need to, you know, shout out Baddies with Business. I mean, I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. It'd be great. Cause like I'm investing in y'all. It would be mm-hmm. great. But like, if you don't, I still like, I still see it. I see and what's up. I see it. the connections. I still feel it. So those are a couple of things I just want to celebrate. And um, this event, this last event, it was incredible. The baddies last December, we did like, it wasn't even, um, it wasn't even two days. It was like Friday evening. We started at five o'clock. And then we ended the retreat. That was a retreat part. We ended at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And then from three to seven, we had the community bazaar, which is like a market. I asked the baddies what they wanted me to improve for the next year. They said, we wanted to be a weekend. I said, say less. <laughs> In July, it was a full weekend. We started at 12 o'clock on Friday, went all day Friday, went all day Saturday, and all day Sunday was the bazaar. And it was incredible. We had community members come out. Um, all of the baddies like were just happy and joyful. And it was just like, if you think of a picture of Black Girl Magic, that's what was in the space. It was great. <laughs> it was great. So that's that's what I'm celebrating. I love that. And yeah, congratulations on all that success and success in many different facets of what success is like that. I, I just loved hearing like the feedback you were getting because that those are, at least in my mind, a lot of times like the most impactful things that help you to keep going, especially when things might be tight financially. It's knowing that you're making the impact that you wanted to helps you understand you're on the right path. Even if the yeah. money hasn't lined up the way you want it to, you know, it's eventually going to come uh, much like you were saying with the Patreon. Like, all right. So I want to have 10, but hey, we're at five already. That That's a win. That's a huge win, yep. especially given the fact that this is super new. And I think we always have to keep that in perspective. The, you know, I think a lot of times we hold ourselves up to the successes of others who may have been at this for longer or had different resources. Um, and so, yeah, with everything that you've done so far, it's been absolutely incredible to, to see how quickly actually you've been able to move and rise these you know, businesses that you've been creating. So yeah. I really appreciate that and appreciate you being here. Thank you, Malaron Hodge, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Malaron's companies by going to our show notes. Please make sure you're also recommending this podcast to people in your network because the more you spread the word, the more episodes we're able to do here. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson, Ryan Woodhall, and Mike DuBose. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real.